Hello friends, old and new, welcome to the Get Up Girl podcast, a podcast designed to bring women together by the word of our testimony. If you're new to the crew, I just want to say thank you for hitting the play button and joining us today. If you've been with us before, then I just want to say thank you for hitting the play button and joining us today. Before I introduce today's amazing guest, I want to take a quick second and ask a favor of you. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you mind heading over to the rating and review section of Get Up Girl and leaving us a rating and a quick little review? This just helps others find us easier and also lets us know what we're doing well and how we can continue to bring encouragement to you and others. We would greatly appreciate your input. Thank you all so much. Now, please listen in to my incredible friend, Betsy Haddix, as she shares her powerful testimony of walking through a sudden divorce, navigating single parenthood, healing, and how she has come out on the other side with a passion to seeing women restored in Jesus. She has a beautiful heart, and I believe that you will find encouragement in her story today. Things had been pretty rough for about a year. Um, I knew that, I think I kind of internally knew we were heading to this point. And so I spent that last year of our marriage really in a very unhealthy way, trying to stop the inevitable. So I contacted a mentor and friend in my writer's group who had some connections with John Eldridge's ministry, Ransomed Heart. And uh, there was an amends event coming up so he, he went, and he was gone about nine days, and I remember thinking, okay, this is it. I can totally see what God's doing here. You know, this is our big finale of our story. Like, he's going to come home. He'll have had this massive heart change. Um, he came home. I picked him up from the airport, and he left that night. I remember very vividly absorbing that news and just falling to my knees on the kitchen floor and all I could breathe was the name of Jesus. Um, I remember laying out his clothes on the bed, um, and then I got my Bible and I prayed those verses in Ezekiel about dry bones living, and just was begging the Lord because I knew the root of all of this was spiritual. And I remember just praying those verses and just begging the Lord to breathe life back into him. So that was when kind of my season of bad decision started and you know but I wanted to pray like my heart wanted to go back to the Lord and you know in his path I was just so scared that that path was going to be so lonely you know and I just had the strongest sense of the Lord impressing upon me the message of we're going to deal with this but right now you just need to know that you're loved And it was just another vivid reminder of his presence, even in the midst of me choosing sin out of my pain and and out of my um, loneliness that he was still there. It's either toxic or nothing. And sometimes we just go back to toxic because at least we know what to expect. And the nothing is a big question mark. Trust God with that question mark. Like you, you just don't know what's around the corner. Hey y'all, I'm Betsy. I'm a lover of words and the word, a divorce survivor, wifey, homeschooling mama of two, caffeine addict, and camp gladiator junkie. 
I'm also a lover of all things turquoise, a collector of coffee mugs, and can totally outwrap you to Ice Ice Baby. I'm an oil and gas landman by day, multi-published romance author by night, and would totally jump through a flaming hula hoop of fire for a Cadbury egg. And this is my Get Up Girl story. Well, hey, girl, welcome to this week's episode of Get Up Girl, a podcast inspired by women of all cultures and backgrounds who have been toe to toe in the ring of discouragement, disappointment, defeat, and how they got back up to fight. Each episode, we'll be discussing, well, all the things marriage, business, parenting, racial divides, grief, loss, and everything in between. We believe that you will be encouraged by these women through their stories. So come on, girl, it's time to get up. Um, We do not have any Cadbury eggs sitting here, but if we did... We would, it's probably good we don't, because we'd be like crunching the whole time we're talking, Sam. See, I I know where two are if we need them later. (laughs) We can take a break and go. Um, So your uh, your story today, um, I think you have a very unique journey, um, which uh, obviously I'm going to let you have the floor and and tell all about it, but um, just being um, a single mom, having uh, survived through a divorce that was a little unexpected mm-hmm. at the time. And then um, just, you know, having to kind of start over with your life, finding a new relationship, getting remarried. So now you have a blended family. Um, you just have such an incredible journey. And so um, I, I just can't wait for you to, to share your story today. But um, I just wanted to start off by saying thank you for just saying yes and for trusting me with your story. Um, I don't take that lightly for anyone, you know, that I interview. I, I do not take that lightly. So thank you so much just for trusting me with your heart today. Um, and I'll just, you know, let you have the mic now. You can get started. Great. So it's funny you say that about just being grateful that I said yes to come and share because I remember so vividly a few weeks and then even a few months into the initial aftermath of my husband leaving, I had people tell me, very well-meaning, you know, tell me things like, oh, you're going to have the best testimony one day, or you're going to, you're going to come through this and you're going to be able to, um, that scripture about comfort with the comfort that God has given you. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, okay, yeah, that's great. I just want my marriage back. I don't really want this testimony. (laughs) And I would be so bitter about it in those initial, you know, that initial time. But now, It's so funny how God has flipped that because it's my favorite thing to do. I love to share about it because um, it is a story for his glory and just shows um, his provision in our life. And Mm. so I'm absolutely honored to be here and talk about it and to encourage other women. Um, And one of one of the things I like to remind women going through this stuff is that all those initial feelings of what we would sometimes beat ourselves up as thinking, oh, that's not Christian like, oh, I should be like eager to have a testimony. It's okay to just feel in the moment. Yeah. This sucks. And I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to walk through this, you know, thanks God, but no thanks. Right. (laughs) And that's okay. And that's part of the normal process. I think when Christians, Christian women, especially go through these hard things, we tend to guilt ourselves and shame ourselves into thinking we're not handling it right. Mm. Or God won't use it because we're messing it up somehow. 
Mm. And I'm just here to say that's ridiculous and yeah, not true. <laughs> girl, <laughs> listen, we what what we're three minutes in, you already preaching, girl. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So basically, my story, what happened was we were married. Um, I guess we separated a little over nine years into our marriage. So we've been married for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. We had a um, daughter who was turning five, um, about to be turning five. And things had been pretty rough for about a year. Um, I knew that, I think I kind of internally knew we were heading to this point. And so I spent that last year of our marriage really in a very unhealthy way trying to stop the inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know, just... Um, bending over backward to try to keep him happy and, you know, say yes to things I wouldn't have normally said yes to, or, you know, even catching myself telling my toddler daughter, you know, don't do that. It might upset daddy, you know, just Mm. those types of things. And, um, it was a really unhealthy way to live and very, very hard to get past on the aftermath of things. Um, that type of walking on eggshells feeling can really do some damage almost more than the divorce itself. Um, so that was the lesson that I, I had to learn. So there was one day where he came to me and just said, if God doesn't change something in me, then I'm going to have to change it. And I thought, okay, I know what that means. Mm -hmm. Like this is about to get real. So I contacted a mentor and friend in my writer's group who had some connections with John Eldridge's ministry, Ransomed Heart. Oh, yeah. And uh, there was an, a men's event coming up called um, Wild at Heart, based off of his best-selling novel. Yes. And it was in California, and it was in this really cool retreat center for men, ropes course up in the trees, beautiful scenery, you know. Mm-hmm. And they were doing a camp, and it was kind of a, a lottery. You had to enter to to go, and there was usually more people interested than they could, they could um, accommodate. So there would be a lottery. And my, my friend here helped pull some strings and make sure that he got in because this was such an emergency. And I'll never forget that. But um, so he, he went and he was gone about nine days. And I remember thinking, okay, this is it. I can totally see what God's doing here. Mm. You know, this is our big finale of our story. Like he's going to come home. He'll have had this massive heart change. Um you know, this will just be, it's, this will be great. It's so obvious what God's doing. Yeah. I had a prayer meeting at my parents' house with probably 20 people who loved me or my parents and came to pray for him while he was gone. Wow. I mean, it was just everyone there thought the same thing. So obvious what God's up to. This is going to be good. You know, we're like gearing up Super Bowl Sunday kind of vibe, you know, and, um, he came home. I picked him up from the airport. We drove through Wendy's and he left that night. Mm. So, <laughs> so that was completely, uh, yeah, unexpected. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, were people telling you, like, cause you said at that prayer meeting, were, were people kind of saying things like, oh, this is it. He's going to come back renewed and refreshed. And like, were people saying things like that to you? Yeah, a little bit. It wasn't in this the saith the Lord prophetic way. Yeah. Um, it was a little more subtle than that, but there was a very genuine confidence from multiple people who were just so sure, just Mm. like I was, Yeah, you know, and I have, you know, zero hard feelings or bitterness about that, Mm -hmm. but it has, having walked through that, it does try to make me a little more cautious today when I encourage others. That's what I, where I was going with that. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. 
because you have that well-meaning intention and we think we know what God's up to, but so many times we just don't. Right. And that victory comes in a way that looks totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he left that night, um, went to go stay with a friend and that was probably the worst night ever. Just dealing with my daughter who didn't understand what was happening and daddy just got home. Where's he going? Like just the worst. And what was that conversation like between you and your husband at the time? Like, how did he, uh, how did he tell you? You know, I don't remember a lot of the specifics. I don't know if that's just kind of trauma blocking it out. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember him being very serious and just saying he was going to go stay with his friend for a little while. And I knew that that was the major shift, that this was not just going to be a few days, that that this was my biggest fear coming true. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I do remember very vividly, um, and if I tear up, it's in a good way. Um, I remember very vividly absorbing that news and just falling to my knees on the kitchen floor and just bent over double. And all I could breathe was the name of Jesus. Mm. And I felt his presence in a way like I probably never have and never will again. Like it was just in this really weird way, I, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. You know, obviously I don't want to walk through that again, but just to feel the presence of the Lord like that is just unexplainable yeah and the comfort that he really does bring in those hardships is like nothing else that's incredible so I try to make that the forefront of that memory right for you know for his glory and not the negative side mm-hmm. um, so one thing that I like to encourage women with is there's so much freedom in knowing that you did everything you could Nobody likes a what-if type regret, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things, and I can I can kind of laugh about it a little bit now, but this is just an example of I was able to go through this situation knowing I had given it my all, and there was nothing else I could have done to prevent a divorce. And one of those things was I <laughs> laid his clothes out on the bed because when he moved out right away, he didn't take everything. You know, he just took a little bit for for a shorter time. And, um, I remember laying out his clothes on the bed. Um, and then I got my Bible and I prayed those verses in Ezekiel about dry bones living Oh yeah, and just was begging the Lord because I knew the root of all of this was spiritual mm-hmm. and I, I hurt for him. Um, I knew what he was searching for and I wanted him to find it, not just for our marriage, but for his own sake. And I remember just praying those verses and just begging the Lord to breathe life back into him um and just used his clothes as that prop so now when I look back I'm like yep literally tried everything (laughs) but um but that's I mean that imagery is that's powerful that's that in that moment you know you could have so easily turned inward or turned selfish like why is this happening Mm -hmm. to me and you know all that but instead you poured that out in a different way I mean that I don't know. To me, that's, that's so powerful. Thank you. Um, That's all, that's all God. (laughs) I definitely can't take any credit. Um, there's, there's times where I look back and think, why didn't I get bitter about this or that, you know, and that's just the Lord's guidance and protection, I think. Yeah. Um, even the ministry event he went to, you know, I feel like a more normal reaction would have been to kind of blame it. Like this didn't work. Like, He didn't, you know, he didn't get what he was supposed to get out of it. 
Instead, a month after he left, I'm on a plane to go to the women's equivalent of that same conference in Colorado. Uh And it was one of the best experiences of my life. Oh my gosh. So it's just really neat the way the Lord orchestrates all those things. Yeah. Was that for the book Captivating? Yes. Okay. That is one of my, I have read that book probably five or six times, like just throughout my life. I absolutely love it's so good. That book. It's so good. I highly recommend both books, the the men's Wild at Heart and the women's Captivating. Yeah. Um, and it was really neat because at the retreat, John Eldridge was actually there. He usually isn't because it's the women's, but mm-hmm. he had come to do something one of those nights. And I actually got to like hold hands and pray with him for my husband. We were still married at the time. And just, just pray for him and for his restoration and you yeah. know just kind of give that brief paragraph summary of what had just happened and... Um, that was really, that was a really neat experience too, just to mm-hmm. get to pray for him. And, um, you know, and I, I look back and even though we did get divorced and, you know, moved on, it's, um, I just believe that those types of prayers aren't wasted, you know, and that seeds are planted and that hopefully he will still find, you know, yeah. what he's looking for in the Lord. So. Absolutely. And can we, can I backtrack just a little bit mm-hmm. and ask like what was y'all's story as far as like how did y'all meet and you know all that so we met as teenagers I was one year older so we were um he was a high school senior and I had just graduated when we met and it was through our kind of mega churches youth group Uh and um, he was the real fun life of the party kind of guy and was real sweet and um I had usually dated guys older than me Mm-hmm. And they didn't work out very well. <laughs> so I thought, oh, here's this real fun guy a year younger, you know. Yeah. And um, we just, we were very young. And not that that's always, you know, wrong or bad. But um, in our case, it was probably a factor. We just didn't grow together. Mm-hmm. And we um, we didn't have the Lord anchoring us in a way, I think, that just has to happen for a young marriage like that to, to last. So when we got married, we were 19 and 20. Wow. Yeah. And it was funny because we went to the beach for a honeymoon and we rented a condo. And the owner of the condo that we rented it from knew that we weren't old enough to even like buy a drink, you know. (laughs) So she gave (laughs) us a bottle of champagne and had it sitting out for us at the condo just so we could toast our wedding, you know, because we were so young. We were babies. We couldn't even go buy our own champagne. So. So and then y'all were married for nine years. Yes. Is that okay? We had our daughter at, I was 24. So we had been married about, I guess, four years when mm-hmm. I was expecting her. And yeah. then, um, yeah, because I, I remember thinking we were still going through the divorce process when it would have been our 10 years. I remember thinking this is not how I expected yeah. to be spending a 10-year anniversary date. Right. Um, and what, what were some of the things you mentioned you know, and, and I love that you said there are some things you're not going to disclose because you do mm-hmm. want to protect his privacy and, mm-hmm. you know, and him. And I love that. I love that you said that. Um, but if there is anything that you could talk about, I, you mentioned um, there were some things leading up, especially in that last year, that you said you kind of knew deep down or, or felt deep down mm-hmm. that this might be coming. So can you kind of talk about maybe some of those things? Um, I guess some of those signs maybe. Yeah, so I think some of the signs that things were starting to fall apart was um, there's a couple of changes. He had gotten into a different career, and the environment of that career um, 
was very high in peer pressure and it kind of it kind of changed some of his convictions or possibly in hindsight it might have just kind of brought to light the convictions that weren't there that I assumed we were on the same page about yeah um it, it also took up a lot of his weekends so his church attendance and just the way that he was surrounding himself with you know godly things started to taper off and it was just really affecting him and who he was and I think because we knew each other and got married so young, he wasn't entirely sure who he was mm-hmm. at that time. And when he started figuring that out, it was just very different from the path I was on. For an example, there was one night we went to the fair um, here in town with some of his coworkers and, and spouses, and it was just such a worldly atmosphere for me. And not just the fair itself, but this this group I was in. Mm-hmm. Everything about it just made me so uncomfortable, and I just remember thinking, God, is this is this my life now? Yeah. You know, is this what I'm going to be subject to? Is this how I'm going to have to raise my daughter? Like, is this our new normal? Things that I would have never thought he would be interested in a couple years ago, you know, mm-hmm. a couple years before. And now I know the Lord said, no, this is not your path. This is not what I have yeah. for you. So. Yeah. And growing up, I mean, did you grow up in a household where y'all went to church and that you talked about the things of God? Or I guess my question is, how did you come to know the Lord? Yeah, so I grew up um, Southern Baptist in the church every time the doors were open, Uh kind of a thing, which is great in so many ways and can be really confusing in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I think kids that grow up like that struggle with knowing their faith for themselves versus just absorbing what's around them and never yeah. making it their own. Um, so I'm really careful with that with my do- with my daughters because they've kind of been raised the same way that I was. And um, so I came to know the Lord as a child. I remember, you know, praying and just being very aware of needing a Savior and the realization of heaven and hell and just all of that clicking and I prayed in my room with my mom, and I, I remember that. And I, to this day, still believe that that was, that was it. Mm-hmm. But as a teenager, I started, you know, doubting, like, what if I didn't do it right? Yeah. You know how we sometimes go through that, another yeah. kind of pitfall of growing up in this environment. And so I did, like, a rededication, like, I want to know for sure kind of a thing as a teenager. But, you know, even with all of that, I want to say, I want to say I was, I was saved. I was a Christian. But until that moment on the kitchen floor, like with Jesus, Mm. did I ever truly, truly have a need for him? I needed him for salvation, obviously. I was a sinner. I knew how that worked. But when it comes to daily life and daily just sustaining Mm. as a person, like I had never needed him until that moment. My life had been pretty, pretty easy, you know? So I kind of have several of those mile markers where I've where I feel like, okay, well, this was, this was my salvation, but, but this is where it all really started to become a daily, not just, oh, I need to read my Bible because I need to read my Bible, but I need to yeah. read my Bible type switch. Yeah. So that's so, powerful. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. Um, and so what was your, uh, what was your family dynamic like when, you said you picked him up from the airport, and he left that very night. Um, and I guess the process started. Well, let me. I'll ask you this first. When you picked him up from the airport, and you said he left that night, 
what what was that process like from moving forward Mm -hmm. what did that process look like okay yeah so in the initial aftermath it's a little blurry because there was just so much grief and trauma Um, I do remember this is a really sweet thing my niece at the time was like two I guess Mm -hmm. and I remember once again I'm kind of just on the floor at my mom's house um, just talking it out with her and crying and she toddles in there and she gives me this little Lego thing that she had just put together and it had like a smiley face and it's, I, I still Aww. have it. It's like the cutest thing ever. And she was just trying to make Aunt B feel better. So sweet. so sweet. So it's like God used those types of things to bring comfort. Yeah. You know? But the initial aftermath I felt like was just a blur of saying the same things over and over and over to the people in my life that I could depend on in this weird attempt to process it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did go to counseling, which I highly recommend for anyone in these situations. Um, it's just another way to get your thoughts out and and just process through all of these layers of you know emotion and thought because it's it's a grief stage. It's like a death. Yeah. And some people will argue that it's worse because typically with a death, there's not the choice to leave you. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, your partner chose to leave you, and oh. it just is very it's not just the grief, it's, it's the betrayal. Mm-hmm. It's both, you know? Yeah. So the initial aftermath was just a lot of talking, a lot of people in my life being very patient to just let me repeat myself until it slightly felt better. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and what were those conversations like with your daughter? I mean, cause she was what, f- you said she was four? turning, she was getting close to five. Oh, five. Okay. And she's always been so smart and so advanced for her age. Um, And so she knew a lot more than I think maybe typical, you know, for that age. She she absorbs a lot. Because I didn't know for sure at the time if this really was it, I was still kind of fighting for us, even though he had moved out and this this was happening. I still had that hope for several months maybe he'll come back, maybe he'll come back, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to tell her too much in case that happened, kind of like a protection, you know. But at some point, you can't really get around it. And I had to just tell her, you know, eventually daddy's not going to live here anymore. And because of where he was, it was really hard for her to see him because of his environment and staying with another single friend. She couldn't go over there and spend the night. There was just a lot of legalities yeah. that made that harder. Um, so she would see him, you know, a little bit, but it was, it was all very different Mm. suddenly. Yeah. And did you, did you see anything in her as far as, because I mean, I'm sure for her that was traumatic in her own way as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, did she, and, and maybe, you know, even as she got older, a little bit older, like, did she have any questions as to like, well, why did he leave us or why isn't he here? I mean, did you have to filter any of those questions for her? I did. Um, like I said, she's she's a wise old owl. <laughs> a lot of stuff I think she kind of figured out for herself and kind of figured out through things that I wouldn't answer, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and just kind of drew some, some assumptions. Um, I know in these situations there's always a, a temptation to believe that one, one, one spouse or ex-spouse is you know, trying to bring the kid on their side and, and, you know, like only share their side of the story and, Mm -hmm. you know, make them pick favorites and stuff. And I can honestly say 
I've, I've never been guilty of that. You know, I've really tried to watch against that and she has just discovered things for herself. Yeah. Um, I never wanted to bad mouth. And now of course there were times in my emotion, I probably said a little more than I should have or expressed too much emotion with it. But overall, you know, I never wanted her to think of him as the bad guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And how old is she now? She'll be 13 this summer. So wild. Yeah. So now fast forward to being married to your husband now, which I, I do want to talk about in a minute, like how y'all met and how yes. that process was as well. But um, now being married and having a blended family, have you discovered any, ha- have there ever been any triggers or um, maybe some responses from you that are like, gosh, where did that come from, you know, in your marriage now? Yes. Okay. So there's actually one that's kind of funny in hindsight. Um, me and my husband now, we were watching a movie, an old movie with um, Tom Cruise called The Firm. And um, there is a, a scene in the movie um, between the between the couple that was very kind of mirror image to an issue between me and him that came out after our divorce was already, you know, six months into the process. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this happening in the movie, I was just kind of like suddenly irrationally angry. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying very ungodly words. I'm <laughs> yelling. I am treating Tom Cruise like he's probably never been treated before. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my husband's sitting on the couch and he just kind of slowly turns off the TV like, okay, something to deal with here. And I'm like, I'm so mad at this movie. I don't understand. Like, why do I care? It's a movie. And when I came down from the emotion, I, I, I realized that it was a similar situation to what had occurred between us that I didn't know about until later on. And anyways, it was just one of those things where I never got to process some of those situations. I never got to fully, you know, grieve out those particular layers Mm -hmm. that we had walked through because at the time it was swept under the rug with, oh, we're, we're in court. Oh, there's this. And now there's this lawyer's fee to pay and you know custody decisions and yeah so so things just got kind of swept along and the movie really triggered it and here I am two years into a new marriage thinking everything's fine and it's just kind of a a, I'd like to just use that as almost like a warning um that some of these things can pop up in really unexpected ways from a place in your brain or in your heart that you think is is over and done you know Mm -hmm. and so if that happens I want to encourage you with you know it's normal or I hope it's normal. I did it. So <laughs> somewhat normal. Uh, you're not alone, you know, and just, just feel it out, go through it. And yeah. I talked about it with my husband and he was like, Oh wow. Yeah. That makes total sense, babe. You know? And, yeah. and we were able to finish the movie and I didn't write Tom Cruise any hate mail and everything's fine. <laughs> no hate mail that day for Tom Cruise. Yes. That day. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, that is, you know, I love that you can laugh about that now sitting mm-hmm. on this side of it, but um, that is a very real thing. And, and I think, I think so many people, like you said, you know, you were six months into your divorce. Y'all were going through court proceedings and custody battles at that time. Mm-hmm. So you never really got to process that. And I think that's really important for, for people to hear, especially anyone that may be walking through a current situation, yes. um, like what you're sharing, because it's like, I think our tendency, it's so easy to say like, that was so long ago. Right. I should be over it. Yes. Um, gosh, I forgot about that. You know, whatever. And then when things pop up like that, yeah. instead of just saying, man, where did that come from? It's like, it's almost like we just kind of do the same thing. We just shove it again. Like, 
yeah, that was strange. I'm having a bad day. I'm tired. When really it's like, oh, wait, when you sit with it, which is the hard thing to do, but when yes. you sit with it and talk it out and, you know, thank God for your husband who's just so patient and kind and like, okay, let's take a break from the movie <laughs> and talk about this, you know. Um, but when we sit with that and then we realize it's like a light bulb, it's mm. like, oh, my gosh, I never got a chance to to walk through that and process through that. And yeah. I think that's, um, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that really helped me in that regard was, um, EMDR counseling. Yes. Um, it's just a, a form of counseling that kind of can put these long-term memories back into long-term and it gets that immediate visceral reaction that sometimes we're still triggered by into long-term memory where it, where it belongs and that when people go through trauma like divorce or anything along those lines um, I've known people who had a house fire and EMDR helped them process that so they mm-hmm. don't freak out when they hear sirens or you know little things like that yeah um, any kind of trauma um, it's so helpful because it's like our brains get kind of this blip of okay I know this is so long ago why is this still making me cry right now I'm not yeah. actually sad like what's what's happening yeah (laughs) and so when you go through the process of emdr it literally stores that memory back in your brain and the neuro paths where it's supposed to go and that has been really helpful with some of the more vivid memories of the divorce and the aftermath and and things like that so i was actually able to go to counseling after watching that movie and work at, work that out further with my counselor. And I wow. think that's why I'm able to laugh about it now. Yeah. It's like it, it got put where it belonged. Yeah. And now it's just a story. Yeah. So that's I really, incredible. I really recommend EMDR for these types of traumas. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I want to talk about um, your husband now. Okay. And he's wonderful and amazing. Yes. Um, how did y'all... How, well, actually, sorry, let me back up because there's more before we get to that. <laughs> so after you walked through this entire uh, process of separation and then official divorce, custody battles, all Mm -hmm. of that. When you got on the other side of that, what Mm -hmm. was your journey like from that point? So that is where I feel like I really started to fall apart and make poor decisions. I was in that stage Mm -hmm. of the grief. It's like, okay, I've dealt with the stuff I have to as a mom. I've dealt with, you know, the, the, the financial elements. I've dealt with this. And then it's like the lonely really kicks in. And so that's when you start being tempted to rebound date. And, you know, um, now there's, there's debate on both sides of the argument for Christians who find themselves in the middle of a divorce that, you know, is either biblically merited or they just were abandoned, um, as to when, when you can start dating again, Mm -hmm. does the divorce need to be official is that okay beforehand when the marriage is obviously over and that covenant is broken and now it's just paperwork? There's arguments for both sides, and I'm not going to pretend to know the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that I definitely dated too soon, and it, I was not ready. I just wanted to feel wanted. I wanted to feel attached to somebody. I wanted to replace what I had lost. And I was just in this kind of desperate frenzy to make that happen Mm -hmm. so when you're a control freak like me (laughs) and you're in this huge situation that you can't control you get desperate and you start doing things or you know pursuing guys that you never would have in your logical thinking you know like we have literally nothing in common you know why why is this you know my path right now but you're not thinking clearly you know yeah you're thinking with your hurt 
so that was when kind of my season of bad decisions started and it was it was pretty cool there's a neat a neat testimony within that um I was kind of back and forth in this one relationship that I just could not get out of and I needed to get out of it and it was just it was not going to go anywhere and it was you know um it was sinful and I needed to get out of it and I just remember feeling that tension and that struggle and when I would try to pray about it you know I felt guilty and mm-hmm. I felt like oh I know what I'm doing is wrong I can't pray you know but I yeah. wanted to pray like my heart wanted to go back to the Lord and you know in, in his path I was just so scared that that path was going to be so lonely you know yeah and there's this instance where I was um I was in the bubble bath <laughs> which just falling apart and I just remember praying and I just had the strongest sense of the Lord impressing upon me the message of we're going to deal with this but right now you just need to know that you're loved mm. and there's there's no shame you know there's no you better clean this up first it's yeah. we're going to deal with that but right now this is what you need to know and it was just another vivid reminder of his presence even in the midst of me choosing sin out of my pain and and out of my um loneliness that he was still there Mm. you know and it was right after that that things started to shift I got out of the relationship and that's not to say I walked everything out perfectly after that but it was it was a major shift for me um just kind of reminding me again of his presence and how much that matters way more than just a man's yeah and you said something before we started recording that I thought was was really profound um, you, and you'll, you'll have to reword it cause you'll say it better, but you were talking <laughs> about that sometimes when, um, you know, we, we find ourselves in that loneliness. We'll, a lot of times we'll choose toxic relationships mm. over nothing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really powerful and we obviously, I mean, we probably don't recognize it as that in the moment. Right. <laughs> It's definitely a hindsight type recognition, I think. But yeah, um, that's a message that I try to share with women now is you're so tempted to just stay in the familiar, even if the familiar is really bad, Mm -hmm. because you're so afraid that the alternative is loneliness. And like, like, like I said, it's either toxic or nothing. And sometimes we just go back to toxic because at least we know what to expect. Yeah. And the nothing is a big question mark. And sometimes that's just too scary, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I try to encourage women now with the message of, you know, trust God with that question mark. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just don't know what's around the corner. Something else I share often. Um, it sounds <laughs> so obvious. You're gonna be like, "Duh, Betsy," but it's actually really profound. Is one day I didn't know my husband, and the next day I did. Like I met him and everything changed in one day. Yeah. And that day that I woke up that I met him, I had no idea that that was coming. I had no idea that that afternoon was going to start a completely new chapter of life. Mm. And, you know, like we don't know what's just right there, you know, so for women who are single or divorced or, you know, waiting for that, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. Like we just don't know. But if you're tied up in something really bad and toxic, then it's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to be today. Right. (laughs) So you kind of get to have, you kind of have to choose, you know, are you going to trust God with the question mark or are you going to 
trust yourself mm. to keep messing it up. <laughs> right. Mm. That is true. Yeah. I love that. So that that's a great kind of transition into my next question was, um, how did you and your husband, your current husband, meet? So this is kind of funny. We, um, we were, I say we met through Facebook, but it was also mutual friends. Mm-hmm. Kind of both. So he was already Facebook friends with my sister, which if you know my sister, she's friends with everyone. Like yes. she literally is Facebook friends with the universe. So <laughs> everyone knows her. That's so true. They had never actually met, but just common friends, you know, she had accepted a friend request or whatever way back. And like, they already kind of, you know, social media knew each other. Um, she posted a photo of me and her. We had gone to shoot bow and arrows on her mother-in-law's land. And it was so funny how all that worked out because I had called my dad and asked if I could go to my grandparents' house and shoot my bow and arrow with him, and he couldn't go. And I remember feeling so aggravated, not at him, but just like, oh, man, I really just needed to do that today. Yeah. And so when I was just kind of griping about how my plans didn't work out to my sister, she's like, oh, well, let's let's go out to my mother-in-law's property and we can shoot there. So she wasn't even supposed to be there, but she was, and we took some photos and she posted them on Facebook. He saw those photos and thought, oh, Who's she? <laughs> she cute. She cute. <laughs> so he Facebook friended me. Now, I'm I'm pretty good about not accepting friend requests from strange men. But in this case, <laughs> That's mutual good. friends. That's good. Yes, good advice. Also life advice. <laughs> in this case, um, he had been a mutual friend of several people that I knew. But he had been in a worship band with a mutual friend. And I remembered his name. His name is Topher. And you just don't hear a lot of those. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's Topher. He used to play with so-and-so in the band. And he's a drummer. And, you know. So I thought, okay. So I accepted the friend request. Uh-huh. And then basically here we are. Yes. <laughs> so you got to love social media. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's kind of a mix of, you know, social media and mutual friends. And, and you know, and my sister sharing that photo and just how God orchestrated all those events. Uh-huh. Which I love to think about because when, when my day gets disrupted now, I try to remind myself, like, things happen for a reason, you yeah. know, like if my original plan had gone on that day, there would have been no picture to post, you know, yeah. you just, God arranges all of it. So you were probably um, given off some serious, um, Katniss vibes. Absolutely. And so that's really, <laughs> that's what got him. That's what that, yes, that was it. <laughs> so this is kind of interesting too. He, we started kind of liking each other's stuff. You know how you start doing, yeah. he's into the flirting. And then I think I actually messaged him and said, something like something pretty forward for me. I think I said something about, you know, are are we just going to keep liking each other's stuff or are we just going to finally talk? Oh, girl. <laughs> and then he was laughing and was like, yeah, you know. So we texted a bit and or Facebook messaged and then texted and he asked me for coffee. Oh, and, which is uh, your love language. So Yes. Oh my gosh, he already knew. <laughs> but what's so funny is that we both, like we set up a coffee date. Again, we're both working with single parent schedules and, you know, all this. So we... I think we made the coffee date for like a week out and we both almost canceled because we were just so sure that what's the point? We've done this a million times and we were so weary, not that we had a red flag about each other, but we were just so weary of the process. Yeah. And sometimes you're just like, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to go to coffee and get my hopes up and then something not work. And then we're back to square zero. Like you just get so burned out. Yeah. So I used to say (laughs) like dating in your thirties just sucks but dating as a single parent in your 30s is like hula hooping barbed wire like I don't even know it's just the worst (laughs) it's the worst what a great image (laughs) it's just ow yeah but we both went to coffee 
really clicked. We ended up um, driving around and listening to music for like two hours and then ordering a pizza. Like coffee turned into this like six hour date. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that was in, I think, early October of one year. He proposed in February and we were married in June. Whoa. Yes. (laughs) Super fast. Yeah. Again, when you're single parent and you're in your 30s and you're just like, when you're, when you know, yeah. when you're ready, it's like, let's just do the thing. Right. You know? Right. That's amazing. So, yeah. And you mentioned that he was also a single parent. Yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and you know, I know we don't want to tell his story for him or anything because that is his own experience, but um, could you kind of shed a little bit of light on, yeah, you know, he, how- um, he was in a very similar situation to mine where he had, um, he had been left and he was not wanting the divorce. It was another um, situation where he um, he just, we understood each other. We both were going yeah. through the same thing. Um, now, I had been, and it, it was actually even similar time frames. I had been a little bit further out from mine than he was, mm-hmm. but it was still years old. And we had both done the dating and here we go again thing for a couple of years. And, yeah. you know, just had almost just kind of given up, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we understood each other on that level. There was no, you know, is anyone free to remarry debates that sometimes Christians have to walk through. There was just none of that. We were just on the same page, and it was as easy as it could be. You yeah. Know? So. That's wonderful. Yeah. So y'all got married, um, you said he proposed in February, mm-hmm. and then you got married? June. June. Okay. And so you having your daughter him having his daughter and now y'all are one family. What was that process like for every, you know, yeah. everyone involved? That is, I mean, that is still a journey. Um, we've been this, this summer will be four years uh-huh. married. So, um, you know, we're growing and we're learning and we're making mistakes and then we're getting it right. And then we're making mistakes again, but it's, um, something I am really encouraged by and, and tell others is, you know, when you go through these situations, you know, divorce and remarriage and stuff, this is your kid's story too. And it's encouraging in the sense of God is working it out for them as well. It's not on you. Right. You do your best as as a parent, just like you would if you were still in your original marriage. But all these things that are outside of your control, God's using those things, Romans 8, 28, to shape their life and their future and their walk with him too. Mm -hmm. And so there's just grace for all of that. You know, you don't have to beat yourself up or feel guilty of like, oh, I should have... I should have done this differently or I should have, you know, because God's writing their story too. Yeah. And, um, I feel like that grace is really needed within children going through divorces because I mean, as moms, we have enough mommy guilt on the most ideal situations Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you throw in something like divorce and then that trauma and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it can get really heavy and burdensome. Yeah. And sometimes I just step back even now and just like, okay, I can't control some of these things, but God is working all this out for their good and for his glory. And that's enough. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that you said he's writing their story too. Yeah. That's, and, and kind of takes the pressure. I, I would, I'm speculating here. Right. (laughs) Um, I would imagine that kind of takes that pressure off of like, you're, you will always be her mom, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to do the best that you can with God's help and grace right. <laughs> to be the best mom that you can be for her. Um, but he's also, I just, I love how you worded that, writing her story. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And that's true for all parents, divorced yeah. or not. That's, yeah. that's just a really healthy reminder. It's like, we're not going to get it right all the time. And sometimes those mistakes are what grow them into who God has for them. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, I just found this podcast by Lisa Bevere hmm. called Godmothers. And, uh, I've listened to a few episodes and basically she just interviews, um, different mothers Hmm. (laughs) and she's interviewed single moms and, um, married moms and divorced moms and, you know, anyway, but it's just, that's immediately what popped in my head when you started talking about that, because, um, that's kind of what her podcast is about. It's like, I think one of the questions I've only listened to a couple episodes, but one of the questions she asked is, uh, what's one of your funniest mom like goofs basically you know like (laughs) where you just totally got it wrong yeah um and then another question of hers is um like what's something you've learned from your kids and I don't know I just it's just all about being a mother and um it's it's a really cool podcast so far from what I've listened to that one sounds good (laughs) yeah (laughs) we all need to hear other moms screw up sometimes it's like oh okay yeah like oh my favorite uh my favorite is even on your worst day as a mom you're still better than the mom in E.T. She had an alien living in her house for, like, weeks and never knew. Yes. I was like, okay, we're actually doing okay here. Which I have to say, I just want to make a little sidebar about Betsy. Um, She's the queen of memes. (laughs) So pretty much, like, on average, like, at least once every other day, I get a funny meme from you. (laughs) Sometimes it's multiple if you're really on a roll. You'll see me but they're all like so I look forward to them they're always the best I'm just like I, I, and I've asked you before I'm like where do you find this stuff and it's so funny because you know everyone has the friends in their life where they know what they can send stuff to like who they can send stuff to yeah. and who they can't or who might be offended by something and then who might not and uh-huh. it's just so funny and I can send you everything like okay, I don't girl. have to filter what yeah. I send you at all ever <laughs> and it's the best no girl you don't ever have to use a filter with me <laughs> oh my god I love it oh. And okay, I want to I want to backtrack because I, I missed this question earlier. Um, but in your process, uh, post divorce, pre meeting your husband, um, what was your journey with single motherhood? So that was that was hard because mm-hmm. it's it's like a feeling of you can't get anything right ever. Because when you're with your kid pretty much 24-7, you start wanting adult time or time away. There's no partner to trade things off with or, hey, I'm going to go have a girl's night. Or there's just no help for baths and feeding and bed. There's, it's just you. Yeah. And so you get overwhelmed and then you feel guilty for being overwhelmed. And you start thinking, well, think about what they're going through. And then you feel even worse. And then when you do get your time away... You're completely distraught, and you just want to get back to your kid. Mm-hmm. It's like there's never a win. There's never, you know, you just kind of ride through that, I think, because what was probably the hardest for me in the single parent element was once I got past the worst of my pain and processing my grief, I felt like I had to do it again for her sake. It was like a whole separate feeling mm-hmm. of me grieving and processing what she lost. Oh. And it was, it's just, it never ends. It's what, yeah. it, it's what it feels like in the moment. It just feels like this is never going to end. There's always going to be something else painful about this situation to have to walk out. But it does eventually end. Um, yeah. And the Lord restores, you know. But as a single parent, I think it was just a lot of guilt, a lot of feeling like I'm failing. Um, 
you know, but I look back now in hindsight and those were some of the best times that me and her had together. Yeah. You know, um, there's one memory, oh my gosh, it comes up in my Facebook memories every so often. And, um, we lived in an apartment for most of that time when it was just me and her. And sometimes we would just go take walks, you know, around the apartment. Mm-hmm. So she was probably, I guess, eight or nine at the time. It was before I met, it was actually pretty soon before I met Topher. Mm-hmm. Um, we were taking a walk and it had been, what is that movie or book about Alexander and the no good, very bad, terrible day? Like that <laughs> yes. was our day. Um, and so we're just walking around the apartment complex. We stopped by the pool and it was closed. You know, we weren't swimming. It was like late and we're fully clothed, you know, jeans and shirts and stuff. And I just kind of look at her and I just jump in the pool. Like just jeans, took off everything, just, just <laughs> jumped in the pool. And she's like, mama. And then she's like, can I do it too? Can I jump and in I'm the like, pool? Heck yeah. And she jumped in. And if you know me at all, that's just so outside of my character. Uh-huh. I mean, if I'm going to jump in a pool, like. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to have my towel. Oh, yeah. My my flip-flops. Oh, yeah. It's going to be the most organized, (laughs) impulsive thing ever. But I just, I was just, like, overcome by this urge. And it seemed, at the time, it seemed like it was going to be a much deeper result than just, let's be silly. Mm -hmm. I just knew it. I knew that I needed to jump in the pool for her and for me. And it was just the strangest thing that makes no logical sense. But... Even now, that's one of her favorite memories. Yeah. And it's just this representation of me and her in that season, you know. Yeah. And every time it comes up, we, we, we took a selfie after all wet, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and she's just so happy, and it was just the best, you know. Aww. So, um, yeah, single mom is it's an interesting season yeah, for sure. And I would just encourage women in that season to, as much as you can, just try to appreciate it and just be in that moment but know that more than likely you're not going to really get it until it's over and you're on the other side of it yeah but you know as much as you can just know it's a season and just walk through it appreciate it and find the find the joy in those jump in the pool moments yeah because it really doesn't last you know Mm -hmm. so oh I love that and I you know I will say you said there were moments where you felt like you're failing or have I failed, you know, whatever. And I will just say, for whatever um, my opinion matters to you, um, you have not failed because <laughs> she is lovely no. and wonderful and she is so kind and she's polite and she she's a giver and she's a server and she's a helper and I mean and even that and that's just what I've experienced with her and then you've told me stories of you know the underdog at school or the kid who gets picked on in her class like she's written notes to them and like put in their (laughs) locker or or given that you know and I'm like who does that like She's 12. I call her my unicorn. She's, yes. She's so rare and wonderful. She is. And, and I think, you know, that particular story I'm referring to, gosh, you told me that probably, well, I think I was, I mean, I was pregnant, I think. Mm-hmm. So that was a year or so ago. I mean, you know, so she was even younger yeah. than she is now. And I just remember you told me about this kid that, um, you know, just kind of got picked on and was the underdog and, and she just wrote them a note and was like, Jesus loves you. And I'm yeah. like, oh, we were at Panera Bread. You yeah. know, you told me that? And I'm like, what? Yeah. So, I mean, just that alone, you know, gosh, if you ever doubt, you know, 
anything with you as a mother just I mean look think of that story yeah (laughs) you know but but she really is she she's so kind you've done such a wonderful job um with her and I know obviously with God's help and grace absolutely um, as well but um (laughs) she really is wonderful I agree she's the best she is (laughs) Thank you. And for the record, your opinion means a lot. So. Oh, well, awesome. okay. Thanks. Um, I, my last question for you, um, before we get to our, our fun stuff, I say that I, that I need to, I need to change my language because oh. this, not that your testimony right. hasn't been fun. That's not what I mean. Um, the lighthearted stuff. More of my lighthearted stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my last question in regards to your story is, and, you, you know, as we've been talking, you've kind of touched on it, but um, do you have any advice or wisdom for anyone who, who may stumble upon this podcast episode that might um, be a single mom right now going through a separation or a divorce, um, you know, any of this? Do you have any, any wisdom for her? Yes. Um, two things. First one, I think, is just I, I kind of touched on it earlier about just give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. You're not going to walk this perfectly whether you try or don't try, like it's, it's just not going to happen. There is no formula for getting this right. There's no ideal way to walk through this kind of hurt and pain. Um, it's going to look different for everybody and just, that's okay. Give yourself grace, whatever happens, like it's okay. And it's never too late. You know, if you make one bad decision, regroup, do the next thing the next day. Like it's just, you're not going to do it perfectly. Um, and then the other thing I like to encourage people with is never say never <laughs> because when you're in these situations and you're just it's so tempting to tell yourself things like I'm never going to get remarried I'm never going to date again I'm never going to be happy I'm you know I'm, I'm never going to um, you know feel better or this will never stop hurting all those nevers are just lies and mm-hmm. they're so real in the moment you know and you want to sometimes just give into that and you know not that not that there's nothing or not that there's now I'm getting twisted over my negatives. <laughs> There's some real healing that can come from acknowledging those feelings and kind of, you know, working through them. But at the end of the day, I think we're supposed to just recognize that's a lie. That's yeah. not a healthy way to, you know, that's not a healthy mentality to stay in because we don't know. We don't know what God's going to do. We don't know what's right around the corner, what you know, Katniss picture is going to pop up on Facebook and inspire a six hour coffee date. Like we don't know. Yeah. So it's okay to feel that discouragement and acknowledge it, but don't let yourself just believe that that's your future. I think is where I would kind of go with that. Yeah. So give yourself grace and never say never. That's good. I love it. Well, Betsy, you are, you have been such a joy as always. Um, and your heart is just so pure and just in, and if anyone who's listening knows Betsy, then, you know, people would know this about you but I just your presence you always have such a calming presence and um you can tell just even by how you speak and speak to others that you do walk with God and you you know you said like your daughter is a wise old owl but so are you you know um I I believe that you just have wisdom beyond your years so um again I just want to say thank you for sitting down with me today and chit-chatting and just being vulnerable and you know, going back to those hard places and talking yeah. about it. Um, yeah. I know that's not an easy thing to do. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. So just to wrap up, we have some kind of fun questions just to get a little insight to the, to your, um, 
life on the day-to-day. And then we're also going to talk about your writing and some of your books um, that you have coming up and one just released and awesome, all kind of fun stuff. Okay. But my first question to you is what are three things that you do every single day? Okay. I make my bed. Yes. Because I literally cannot function if I don't. Same. Like same. Sometimes I can't even go to my early morning workout and then come back and make the bed. Like that's the latest it will ever be delayed. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I also make my bed every day. I've done it as long as I can remember, but it's funny because my husband, he knows like if he comes home and the bed is unmade, something real bad went down. Oh no. Like, (laughs) it's like a sign. I I cannot tell you. I've gotten text messages and phone calls from him where he's like, Hey, are, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? He's like, well, I just came home for lunch and the bed wasn't made. So, like, did you have a bad morning? Somebody died. <laughs> like, so, yeah. like, that is how. And I'll, I'm like, oh, oh I gosh. just woke up super late. Usually that's yeah. my reason or whatever. But oh my So gosh. that's funny that you say that. That's great. Okay, go ahead. Um, okay, so second would be I must consume massive quantities of caffeine. Ah. Because life. Sure. Um, <laughs> and to all you tea drinkers out there, I just have one word. Why? just why (laughs) no I do coffee and then sometimes if I can't get to Starbucks or just I'm not quite feeling it I'll do a monster Mm. super unhealthy but hey Starbucks needs to endorse you they probably should as much as you should give money to them yes yes (laughs) you need commission Uh, or something so yes caffeine make the bed caffeine and oh I hug my schnauzer because he cute he's He's so cute cute. he's the best um he is cooper but poor thing, I think we give him an identity complex because he is Cooper, he is Buddy, he is Sir Cooperton the Third. Sometimes when we're feeling formal, <laughs> he is—I mean—he gets called everything. It's really funny. Cooperlicious. I mean, just nice. Never ends. I didn't. I didn't know that. So he might need counseling, but he's very loved, <laughs> at least. Cooper, what a leader in the family. He's so fabulous. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, he's so great. Okay, I love that. So you make your bed every day. You consume caffeine. I love that you just yes. said caffeine. It's yes. not always coffee. Not always. It's just caffeine. Usually. <laughs> and then you hug your schnauzer. Yes. That's love it. pretty much my day in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay, and my next question is, who has influenced you in your life and why? Oh, this was so hard yeah. to figure out. But I think I've got it narrowed down to two, okay. which is really a lot. But... Um, one is a friend. Her name is Angela Ruth Strong. Mm-hmm. She's in my writer's community. And she went through a divorce just right ahead of me. So she was a huge voice for me when I was walking through that because mm-hmm. she had, I think she was basically engaged or just starting to get married when I was going through mine. So she was right ahead and was able to be that light and encouragement. And I was just so impressed with her because she was the one who would only. I mean, she would give me some advice and and listen, but she would send me scripture. Every time I texted her and I wanted someone to tell me what I wanted to hear, I wanted someone to be like, oh, don't worry, Betsy, you're young and cute. You're totally going to get remarried. It'll happen one day. She would never say that because she didn't know. She would send me scripture every time. She'd send me back to God's word. Mm. And at first it was kind of like, come on, just tell me what I want. And then I realized that is what I want. Like, I need that, you know? And so now I try to pass that on to other women who come to me and... So I just love Angela so much. And now since then, she's remarried and um, she has overcome breast cancer with and just walked that out with wow. faith and grace too. And she's just the best. 
Mm. So really um, inspired by her. And um, the second one was, his name is Alan Arnold. And I mentioned him earlier in my story. He was the mentor friend who helped get my ex-husband into that camp at Ransom Heart. Okay. He is their um, resource, head of their resources and media and mm-hmm. stuff. And he actually left a uh, publisher position at Thomas Nelson to go join that ministry. Wow. So he traded corporate corporate life to follow his passion and God's will for his life. And I feel like that's really inspiring for today to make yeah. that sacrifice and, um, you know, pursue something like that. And um, he is a constant reminder for me because he also writes books now. He came out of a publishing position and now he, he writes. And he's got a book called With and a book called Chaos Can't. And you need to look those up. It's mm-hmm. uh, The Story of With and Chaos Can't by Alan Arnold. And it's just um, his his heart theme and message is for creatives, whether that's writing, musicians, artists, chefs, anything in that realm. His message is to create with God, not for the masses. And yeah. just the, the beauty and the fulfillment we get when we actually create with God and not just try to strive to be famous. Mm-hmm. And... Um, his other message is um, kind of a reminder to leave people better than you found them. Mm. And I love that. And when you said earlier that you feel like I have a very calming presence and things, you know, sometimes I don't feel that way Yeah, because I have all this internal stuff going on, but that really blesses me to know that I, I'm kind of like that for other people because he's like that. And I really admire that. So that was really Mm -hmm. cool that you pointed that out. So, yeah, those are two of the long list yeah. of people who really influenced me. Yeah, I love it. And I will say, usually one of my questions at, here at the end is, uh, what are some books that have impacted you and why? Hmm. I specifically did not ask you that question. <laughs> Thank you. Because, A, you, I know you read, like, I think you've probably, you're like Roy Gilmore, like you've read every book out there, but also you write. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I'm just not going to ask her that question. Thank you. <laughs> That would be impossible. <laughs> yeah. I guess if I had to answer, I would just say go check out Alan Arnold's books. Yeah. That so would I'm, be good. I'm going to yeah. um, add those in the show notes. Oh, um, good. This episode so people can, if they want to check that out. Yeah. Okay. My last question for you is what's something about you that would surprise people? Okay. So this is kind of funny and it's going to sound awful and horrible and heavy, but it's not. So Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't even know if I've ever even told you this. Someone legit tried to kidnap me in a bookstore when I was 11. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Actually happened. So um, I think it's kind of cool that I'm not terrified of bookstores. I'm like, became a novelist. I was going to say, thank God you're not. Yeah. I mean, so God worked that out. (laughs) I will say that when I'm in a bookstore now, I don't really bite my back open. Mm. That's like a side effect. But past that, you know, just kind of a weird fact of like, so, you know, like on Facebook or in party icebreaker games, it's like three truths and a lie or whatever. Uh, yeah. Like I win every time. <laughs> like no one will ever <laughs> think that's, that that's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah. So this was back um, in the day when malls were a thing. Yeah, sure. I was 11 and we homeschooled. And so three times a week. Me, my mom, my sister, and my grandmother would go walk the mall for PE, yes. which was super healthy because right after we'd all share like a croissant and Coke or something from a great this American bakery. cookie. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one day I had been like any other day scrounging my allowance and saving for the next Babysitter's Club book or yes. whatever was coming yes. out. Yes. And 
Walden's books, I believe it was Walden's at the time, was right around the corner from this little cafe. So sometimes right at 10, the mall was just, the stores were just opening. I could run around the corner with my money and go grab the newest book and come mm-hmm. right back. Sometimes my sister would go with me, sometimes not, you know, yeah. this was a different time. Right. So, or maybe not all that different. <laughs> maybe we just thought it was different. <laughs> so I'm in there, no one in the store, just the sales clerk up front and the young adult novels are in the back. And I'm standing there reading the back of a Baby Search Club book or maybe Saddle Club. And I remember glimpsing from my peripheral this man walking past the aisle, like kind of shaggy long hair. I really don't remember anything past that. But I remember having that brief thought of, it's kind of weird, what's he doing back here? You know, mm-hmm. like this is the Baby Search Club row. And then like a few seconds after I glimpsed him, suddenly there was just these arms like around Stop. me, like from behind. And he, and he said, don't say a word. <gasps> yeah. Betsy. I know. I say this like it happened to someone else. It's very, I'm very detached from it. Again, EMDR, what, what? Oh, my <laughs> heavenly stars. So I just dropped the book and ran. Like, I didn't know what to do. And I don't really know to this day why it was that simple. I don't know if he was high. I don't know who trusted do that in a bookstore in a mall at 10 in the morning. But I just ran out of the store and back to my mom and just sat there like, did that just happen? Like, and then, of course, we had to get the police, and it was this whole big thing, and, like, you know, they never found him. Oh, my, I'm, yeah. literally, my mouth is, like, wide open. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm freaking her out. Because, so, like, okay, I'm not gonna lie, when you said, like, your, when you initially said that, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking, like, you saw a weird person at a store, and he gave you a look, and right. you were like, ooh, mom, I think I almost got, okay, you will legitimately. No, actually grabbed me, yeah, and I don't even know what his, what his plan would have been, like, obviously, there was no weapon, I don't know. I don't know if there was some kind of angelic situation going on. I'm not, I have no idea. I just dropped Holy the book and ran. cow. Yep. So, so did you tell the um, person that worked at the bookstore? Yeah. When Once I got to my mom and grandmother and sister and told them and we're all like, like, what do you do? You know, like you're like, right. okay, to tell security. So yeah, we went back to the store told them they called mall security we had to like go through the whole thing with the police and i mean did the sales cl- I'm, I'm sorry i'm so intrigued now. <laughs> I know. This, we're gonna start a another podcast a true crime podcast <laughs> to find this guy i know right did did the sales clerk say like oh yeah i saw him or he left right after you i don't remember i wasn't really a part of that conversation that was i'm sure that was all the adults because uh. you know, i'm only 11 like i can't even imagine right. yeah it's pretty wild i just remember feeling like so embarrassed like I don't want to talk about this. I just want this to go away. Because, you know, I was super shy and this was a lot of attention. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't answer any of the questions. And, you know, it was so much. Like, I just remember. But it was really sweet because at the time in our kind of mega church, we had just gotten a brand new youth pastor. And I was Mm -hmm. going into sixth grade. So Mm -hmm. he was brand new. He was going to be my my first youth pastor. And he came over. Like, we we finally leave them all, go home. I'm just like, okay, just put this out of my head, you know. Yeah. And, uh. Me and my mom were about to go somewhere, I think, get lunch or something. Anyway, he, he just shows up and was like, hey, I heard. And I'm like, you know, huh. that's that church at the time. It's just the <laughs> gossip meal. And he, like, crowds in the car with me and just, like, sits there and was like, so you want to talk about it? You know, and was just so sweet and attentive. And I didn't want to talk about it. And, uh-huh. like, that was fine, too. But just that he showed up and invested in me before he even really had to. Like, I yeah. just remember that. and. I just love it. I just love him for that. Aww. But yeah, I'm, I'm, my my whole vibe was just like, I just want this to not have happened. I just want this to be done, you know. 
Oh my god. Yeah. I'm, I'm crazy. like stunned. I know. I mean, praise God, you know. you know ran. You, I know. Like those instincts, but never with all. It's it's honestly, it feels as if it happened to someone else at this point. Like yeah. it's just so weird. Like like your reaction. <laughs> this is how I feel. Like how did that even happen? Like who does that? Yeah. <laughs> did well, you did you go back in that bookstore for a while? Not for a while. Not alone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I ever went back alone. But yeah, sometimes I just walk into Barnes and Noble now. And just kind of smirk, like, not today, Satan. <laughs> like, we've arrived. It's fine. That is wild, man. Yep. I always win the uh, three truths and a lie game, so at least I have that. Yeah. Well, that would be right. Now, but now I know if we ever play together. Yes, yes. I won't, to, I won't out you. I'll have to think of something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and then the last thing before we go is I want to talk about your writing. Yes. And all of the amazing things you're doing. Well, I hope they're amazing. No, they um, are. <laughs> so this is kind of cool. Um, I have, I've, I've written fiction since I was about seven. I was, wow. um, I wrote fan fiction before I even knew like that that was a thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd write my own babysitter's club book or yeah. something. Cause I was too impatient to wait for the next one. Um, <laughs> but then I I'm got to tell y'all how this story ends. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to write it. <laughs> yeah. I know what Marianne's going to do. Okay. Um, so I would you know, just write that kind of stuff. And I always wanted to be an author. But when I was 18, I finally was like, okay, I need to figure out how this works if this is an actual goal, you know. Mm-hmm. So I started going to like conferences and classes. And I met this lady who connected me with the ACFW, which is the American Christian Fiction Writers. And it's just this massive network of Christian authors. And um, they do an annual conference and there's just networking opportunities. I got my agent through them. And so um, kind of, you know, one thing led to another. And so I got my first traditional contract with a real publisher when I was pregnant with my daughter. Aww. So I was 24, I think. Yeah. And, uh, it came out, you know, a few months later with, uh, Love Inspired, which is a division. It's like the Christian division of Harlequin Romances. It's mm-hmm. their clean Christian line. So I wrote about eight or nine of those and really loved it, but I had bigger stories that I wanted to tell that were going to need a different publisher. Yeah. Um, that was my ultimate dream was somewhere within that Thomas Nelson, which has been acquired is at, at the time Zondervan, Thomas Nelson, all of that was kind of the same, you know, big company. Yeah. Now it's all under Harper Collins. But anyways, at the time I got, I, I got my dream two book contract and I found out about it as my husband was leaving me. Oh my gosh. And it was like, losing one dream and getting another. Right. And I just remember me and my mom, bless it, we're so much alike. We were just having this conversation of, okay, surely God's not going to give you a romance contract and expect you to write these romance novels under deadline when your husband just left. Like, mm-hmm. surely this means he's going to come back and we're going to be restored and it's uh, going to be this whole story that yep. I can then write you like yep. back to thinking we knew what God was doing. Yep. And that wasn't what happened. And instead, I was able to, through his grace, finish and, and write that first book. And then um, it was really finishing the first book because I'd already written most of it when I got the contract. Mm-hmm. But that second one is called Love Arrives in Pieces. And it's a divorced heroine. Aww. And that's the one I just will often mail. If I if I know of someone going through a divorce, I'm like, what's your address? I'm sending you my book. Like, oh, I just want you to have this, you know, um, because... There's just not a lot, and there's getting to be more, but especially back, you know, several years ago, there wasn't a lot of divorced heroines in Christian fiction because 
it was kind of a scarlet letter. Like, even if it wasn't your fault, it was a little bit of a stigma, mm. you know? And so a lot of publishers don't want you to write about that. Or, you know, they, they want someone to be widowed, not divorced. And right. it's just... So I kind of felt like I had a part in kind of breaking that glass ceiling and like, yes. no, like this happens and women need this. And to like to date, I call that the book of my heart because mm. it's just, I was so raw and vulnerable and broken while I was writing it. And get this, I was so broken trying to write it and still kind of in that season of not making the best choices in my own dating world <laughs> that I got to my second extended deadline and my my editor said Betsy we know you've been going through so much and we love you to death but we really need this book like on my desk tomorrow morning as scheduled I really thought I would have another week or so to finish it Mm -hmm. and I was like okay I still needed like 30,000 words it was like a quarter of the book oh my gosh and I just remember when when I got that email from her I left my day job took my daughter to my mom's and said, I will come back for her at some point. I don't know when. <laughs> I got two monster energy drinks, which that was a mistake in hindsight. I don't think my heart rate has yet come down from that. <laughs> and I went home to my apartment, and it was around noon. And I got started, and I, I just prayed. I actually anointed my computer with oil. <laughs> I was like, we're going all out. Yes. And I said, okay, Lord, I've screwed up. I've got nothing. If you want this book finished, if you want this book out there, like you have to do something. And I trust you, and if you don't, it's my fault. I own it. I'll try better, you know, next time. And I just started writing and I wrote 30,000 words in one night. I wrote through the night and finished at five in the morning. Oh my gosh. Did some kind of really weird happy dance, got in the shower, went to work. <gasps> and I eventually, it took weeks to come down from that kind of tired. Oh. But at one point I was... <laughs> trying to stay awake I had two monster energy drinks during that time frame I would sit and randomly like flap my arms Stop. like just to move because I mean I'm just <laughs> falling asleep at one point I was eating an ice cream sandwich while jogging around my apartment living room like just sugar and indoor yeah girl it was crazy but and, and that was the book that the... love arrives in pieces okay so I've got to read that what's really fun is my editor had even said Betsy like just get it to me we can edit it. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be done. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but everything I do has to be perfect to me before I can send it in. Right, That's right. just my gift and curse. So <laughs> I did the best I could, but I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be rough. But it was done. Mm. I sent it in. And I got my revisions back from her, I guess, about a week later. And I'm expecting the whole last quarter to just be red, you know, yeah. <laughs> all the track changes. And, you know, and it was so clean. And I'm like, so I start reading it, girl, like, I don't even remember writing half of it. <laughs> and I would, I emailed my editor. I'm like, Becky, did you write this paragraph? Like, this is, this is really good. Did you stick that in there? <laughs> She's like, no. Like, why would I do that? Like, I'm not. And I was like, oh, I didn't write it. <laughs> and girl, it was, that, was, that was the Holy Spirit writing it that. It literally <laughs> was. He was just using your hands to Seriously, type it. Seriously, like, I, it was, it's so funny to me now. Like, wow. And so anytime now that I'm on deadline or I'm feeling a little stressed, I'm like, okay, Lord, we've been through way worse. Like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> we've done this before. We've done this. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love that book so much because it's just, it's not about me. Yeah. I can, I can read that book now and just feel like it's from someone else. Like, it just, it's not yeah. even familiar in so many ways. It was just such a project with the Lord. 
Oh, so. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. And you just had one that released um, a few months back. Yes. In October, last October, um, The Key to Love came out with my uh, current publisher, Ravel. They're a division of Baker House. And The Key to Love is a um, kind of an ode to the Lovelock Bridge that was in Paris. Mm-hmm. And they actually closed it down. I had started brainstorming this book and started writing it. And then Paris in real life actually shut down and took all those locks off the bridge. What? <laughs> they said it was like an eyesore and it was dangerous because it was making the fence collapse oh. from the weight of all the padlocks. Mm. So I'm like, really? You couldn't have like waited one more year? <laughs> it's iconic, you know, place. <laughs> so that ended up making me change some of my original plot. Mm-hmm. I feel like it made it a lot stronger. So now it's this girl who owns a small bakery or she doesn't own it. She works for the small bakery in middle of nowhere, Kansas. And she has this love lock wall kind of in, in honor of um, the real one. And it goes viral. And so this um, real scorned permanent bachelor, Gerard Butler type, mm-hmm. comes in as a travel writer to f- very reluctantly feature this bakery and the love lock wall. And, it's, of course, it's the last thing he wants to write about. So it's kind of a love story of opposites attract. And um, she's trying to save the bakery from being bought out and... Um, I love it. It's so fun. It's full of French pastries, and um, there's just some really neat themes of identity and um, what true love really looks like. Yeah. Because for both of them, it's not each other, you know, for a long time, and they have to kind of work through expectations. And Mm -hmm. so I really like that. I really like that story because, you know, love rarely looks like kind of what we would have pictured. Yeah. And I think that's important for women to know today, Um, you know, not to, not to settle, but just to keep your expectations open. You don't know what God has for you, Mm -hmm. you know? So true. And then you have one coming out this fall. Is that right? Yes. So this October, we had two October releases. This upcoming October is Tacos for Two. (laughs) And I'm really excited about it. it. It was so fun to write. It's um, Food Truck Wars yes. meets You've Got Mail. Yes. So it's a lot of fun kind of anonymous online romance versus mm-hmm. the in-person enemies mm-hmm. and competition. Um, I reference the movie a good bit. There's lots, there's lots of quotes and banter. So yeah. if you're a fan of You've Got Mail. Oh, I love You've Got Mail. I hashtagged Tom Hanks on Twitter about it, but so far no response. Oh, come on, Tom. <laughs> I know you'll love it, Tom. Give it a chance. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that one. I had to research a lot of yummy Mexican food, and uh-huh. it, was, it was really fun to write. So that'll be coming so up soon. So exciting. You can actually pre-order it now on Amazon, and it'll come straight to your door in October. So... Oh, amazing. And I'm, I'm going to link, because uh, you have a website as well, mm-hmm. um, so we're going to link that in the show notes, um, how people can find you on social media, how they can buy your books, all that good Great. stuff will be in the in the show notes. Yay. So, well, thank you, Betsy, for sitting down and taking time out of your day just to chat. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Yes. Okay, well, till next time. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. As always, thank you so much for joining us here on Get Up Girl. We know that there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there that you could be listening to, and it means the world to us that you would join us today. We cannot wait to gather around the table with you again for our next episode. But in the meantime, make sure you check out our website, getupstory.com. 
can see all of the incredible women that have shared their testimonies so far and listen to any of those episodes that you would like. There's a blog over there on the website and also some really cool resources for you to check out. Okay, until we meet again.